Good morning. I don't think Dave's turned me on yet. Are we good? There we go. Hey, good morning, everybody. Looks like y'all beat the storm in to worship the Lord, so let's make uh, the best of it and stand and let's worship the Lord together. So I'm going to get your blood pumping. You ready? Everywhere I go on this road high and low, where I go, I go with you. guys i was thinking we'd have like 15 people here this morning and we're we're pretty full good job so yeah it's cold out there but it's warm in here if you're cold that's what you do you just scoot a little bit closer to the person next to you okay 
All right, I'm glad you're here this morning. Let's open with the word of prayer, and then we'll have our welcoming time. Lord Jesus, I thank you, God, this morning that we're here, Lord, to worship you in song and giving and the preaching and teaching of your word, God. And, uh, Lord, it's, a, it's an honor and a privilege to get to come together with our brothers and sisters in worship. So be it the ones who are sick, can't make it here this morning, Lord, I'm just thankful to be here. Lord, we love you and thank you. In your name I pray, amen. Take a couple minutes and welcome everyone.
Thank you, guys. All right, you may be seated. Got a few announcements this morning. So the weather's kind of been a hot topic this week, obviously. Uh, and today, they're calling for uh, snow. Like, I don't know if they've changed it, but like two to five inches this afternoon. So um, we're not going to have Bible study tonight. So no win, uh, men's and women's Bible study tonight. So n- nothing going on this evening uh, on that. Normally, we have Bible study on Sunday nights, but no Bible study tonight. Uh, Saturday night freeway, every Saturday night at 5.30 we have dinner, then the service at 6 o'clock. This Wednesday, back on our regular schedule after the holidays uh, for Wednesday night services, dinner at 6 o'clock, then classes at 6.45. Uh, The prayer team uh, meets every Wednesday at 6 o'clock, so if you would like to, to join that before dinner, you're more than welcome to do that. And then I know Stephanie's traveling this week, so we're going to pray for her. She's in Florida. Uh, but I know Grief Share is going to be starting back up the first Thursday night in February. Um, so are you helping teach that again, Michael? I- anything you want to add on that? Or just if, if people have suffered loss and uh, need, need support, or if you know of somebody who needs support that suffered loss, uh, it's a great, great program. It's all Christ-centered. Um, and so, yeah, it's a great support group. Uh, men's prayer breakfast, this is going to be... Is it next Saturday? Next Saturday. That's right. Today's 14th. Next Saturday morning at 8 a.m., fellas. Next Saturday morning at 8 a.m. at Grillo's, we'll have men's prayer breakfast. If you've never been, we have a great time. So we pray. Uh, everybody, if you're there, you can pray. You don't have to, but we have a prayer time, and we eat breakfast with one another. It's a really good time. That's next Saturday morning at 8 a.m. Uh, women's coffee this week is Friday uh, morning. 8 a.m. at Prickly Cactus on the 19th. So Friday morning uh, this week uh, at 8 a.m. 8, 8.30. Sorry. 8.30. 8.30. If you get there at 8, drink a cup of coffee and wait on them, I guess, right? <laughs> uh, parents' night out. Vanny, you want to say anything on this or just what's on here? Parents' night out is February 9th. It's from 5 to 8.30. Uh, you can pay the day of or in advance. The kids' ages are 4 to 12. 4 to 12, uh, parents, that's a Friday, is that a Friday night? Friday night, uh, March 9th. So you can just show up. They don't need to register anything, right? Okay, we're going to pass the sign-up sheet back around uh, again today and probably for a couple more weeks if you want, just because they're going to order pizza, right? We're going to have food for the kids here, uh, and we'll watch them, and I don't know, we'll hog tie them, or I don't know. We'll do something while you guys can go eat dinner, okay? We're going to have you sign waivers, because I'm going to be working with the kids that night, okay? I don't know. Uh, It'll be fun, though, so looking forward to that. Tammy has uh, chocolate-covered strawberries. They've done this for missions, uh, for um, taking a mission trip, which we are going to have a missions meeting. There's going to be a mission, and it's based on the mission trip, right, Mike? So after church today, there's going to be a, uh, a meeting. If you would like to go on the mission trip to Florida to help Trey, August or September? August. If you plan on going to Florida in August, please stay after church with Mike up here in the front. They're going to have a mission meeting. They sell chocolate-covered strawberries to support, good segue, right? To support the mission trip and the mission uh, stuff. So Tammy... Take it away. There's like 400 people out here. No, I'm just teasing. She said she is scared to talk. So everyone smile at Tammy real big, okay? Close my eyes. Just picture that everyone's (laughs) naked, okay, Tammy? (laughs) Okay, I'm going to pass this around and you can order. There's plenty of order forms under here. So if you want to take an order form to take to work or just school 
or whatever. Um, take one out, out, uh, out from under. Um, this is for missions, and if you're going to plan on going to the, on the mission trip, we need your help to take orders and sell strawberries. Sell, 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 right? Yes. I don't know. <laughs> good job, Tammy. Way to go, Tammy. All right, good job. All right, Tammy. Hey, something else that I have forgotten to, to uh, announce. I think everybody knew that went last year, but if you didn't go last year, there's still time to sign up. There is a marriage conference that we went to last year. It's at Chateau on the Lake. Now, uh, it's in Branson. It's February 16th and 17th. So what the, it's on a Friday and a Saturday. So what, what you do is you get there on Friday afternoon, um, and you have a room, and you go to the conference, and then they dismiss you for dinner. And usually, who's ever from our church, we go and eat dinner with one another. We usually, I, I try to find out how many's all going, and I'll make reservations Last year, I think we went to Saltgrass Steakhouse in the landing, and we had a nice dinner with one another. And then the marriage conference lasts through the day on Saturday. We usually get done Saturday afternoon, so you have plenty of time to get back for freeway. Um, get signed up. It's called Living United. I, I shared the link on Facebook, on our church Facebook page, probably, I don't know, a month or so ago. But if you didn't go last year, it was great. We had a really good time. It was a time of fellowship. But that is coming up February 16th and 17th. So if the rooms at uh, Chateau-on-the-Lake are full, you can still register for the conference and stay at another hotel off-site. Um, so they have it all listed there. So if you're interested and you have questions, see Selena or I. Who all is registered? Mike, I know you guys did. Anybody else register? Got, got several of us, a bunch of us that went last year. If you didn't, I encourage you to go. It is really, really good, and the breakout sessions are good. We just had a, a really, really good time. Um, so, that, yeah, that's coming up. The other thing that uh, we got to prove, you're all good, the women are having a women's retreat. It's going to be in April. It's April 28th through May 1st. So mark this down, ladies. That's a Sunday to Wednesday, correct? They are going to Bartlesville, Oklahoma. They'll have lessons. Um, they'll be, you'll stay in a hotel. They'll have, uh, like, I don't know, devotions and lessons. And then what, what is it? They're going, the Pioneer Woman? Okay, yeah, they're going to work one day at Voice of the Martyrs, uh, which is an amazing organization. And then the, they're going to go see the Pioneer Woman stuff. So if you're interested in going on that ladies' trip, I'm sure there'll be a sign-up sheet coming around. The cost is around $190, roughly. Roughly $190. Please see Valerie. Uh, if you have any questions about the trip, ladies, I know you'll have a really good time. They usually go somewhere uh, every year, and this year it sounds like a really, really neat trip. So anything else that I forgot on announcements? Okay, if you would stand this morning, let's take up our morning offering and uh, have a time of worship. So we'll bless that this morning. Lord Jesus, again, we just come to you, uh, Lord Thankful to be here this morning, Lord. Thankful to worship with you, worship to you, God. And uh, Lord, as we give back, Lord, I pray that you use this to further your kingdom, God. That the gospel will be shared, not only uh, in our local area, but around the world, Lord. That we want to take it to every part of the world. And so, Lord, I, I pray for that. Be with us, Lord, this morning as we study your word. We love you and thank you. In your name I pray. Amen.
tune instruments it blows my brain up and makes me mess up because i don't know it's just me the banjo was a little out of tune i'm like oh oh marty oh tune it tune it sorry it's <laughs> enough worship because of a out of guitar out of tune banjo i think we got it now let's see there we go yeah Thank you, guys. Stand. 
So that, that last one, I've never, I appreciate you guys singing that as a worship song. That's usually played as like an invitation song. And I don't know that I've ever heard it played as a worship song. And I appreciate that because it really is. I mean, it's, it's, um, it's traditionally pr- played as the last song where you'd offer an invitation where somebody needs to come and pray or uh, make a decision for Christ. Uh, it, it's sang like that, but it really is a worship song because when, when you're following Jesus, you know, I, I, when, I, when we sing that song, I, I think of Lot's wife. I think the story of Sodom and Gomorrah and Lot leaving uh, and, and taking his family and literally being drugged out of Sodom and Gomorrah. And Sodom and Gomorrah is a picture of the world, right? Sin and death and the judgment of God against sin and death. And Lot and his wife are getting drugged literally drugged by the arm out of Sodom and Gomorrah. And it says, we don't know why for sure. We don't know why for sure, so we can't totally over-speculate, over but Lot's wife looks back. And, and they were specifically told, don't look back. Don't look back. The judgment of God is against those cities. Just keep going. Keep, keep going straight, right? And Lot's wife looks back uh, at her whole life. And we speculate... Uh, right? As theologians, well, I'm not a theologian, but you speculate, right? And you think, why'd she look back? And a lot of people think, and you can read uh, different things, but they think she looked back on her old life and looked back on the old way of living and looked back on the world and didn't keep her focus on God like he told them to, to, to leave and don't look back to the old world. And so when you're in Christ, when you're in Christ, we have to we have to stay focused when we, when we decide, hey, I'm going to be a follower of Christ. It says weigh that cost, right? Scripture says you don't, you don't uh, build a building without weighing how much it's going to cost, figuring how much it's going to cost before you, before you do it. And so when you follow Christ, you weigh the cost of, hey, what's this going to cost me in my life to follow Christ? Which dying to self should cost us everything, right? Salvation's free, but living as a follower of Christ, it costs. It can cost you relationships. It can cost you so much. And... I, I sing that song, and it's like when you decide to follow Jesus, there's no turning back from that. And when you have that salvation, like you don't want to turn back, but there's literally no turning back. And it reminds me of that, and it literally is a worship song, and it, I think it should spur us on to remembering what Jesus has done for us and that we don't want to turn back from Christ and what all he's done for us. Because when, really, when you really think about what he's done for you, which is everything, he's given you all eternity in heaven, and he's saved you. And you don't want to go back to that old life, right? I mean, that's sermon one. Here's, okay. Here's the real sermon. Exodus chapter one. Turn to Exodus chapter one this morning, if you would. And we'll honor God's word together. If you would, please remain standing. Exodus chapter one. So it's the beginning of the Old Testament. We've been going through and looking at Old Testament figures. And I don't want to skip over anybody. And uh, I probably have already. And you may see me go back into Genesis. But I opened Exodus chapter one. And, and we're, t- we're looking at like these really important historical figures in the Old Testament, right? And in this passage, it's like I never, I don't know if I've ever heard a, I'm sure there's been a lot of sermons preached on it, but I don't know that I've ever heard one. And it's like, man, these ladies are, these two ladies here are really heroes of the Old Testament. And we're going to read about them this morning. Exodus 1, 15 through 21, where we're at. 15 through 21, Exodus chapter 1. It says this, Then the king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, one of whom was named Shepara, I think I pronounced it right, and Pua, when you serve as a midwife to the Hebrew women and see them on the birth stool, if it is a son, you shall kill him. But if it is a daughter, she shall live. But the midwives feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them, but let the male children live. 
So the, the king of Egypt called the midwives and said to them, Why have you done this and let the male children live? Then the midwives said to Pharaoh, Because the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, for they are vigorous and give birth before the midwife comes to them. So God dealt well with the midwives, and the people multiplied and grew very strong. And because the midwives fear God, he gave them families. Then Pharaoh commanded all of his people, Every son that is born to the Hebrews you shall cast into the Nile, but you shall let every daughter live. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you, God, this morning again. Just for being able to be here this morning, we have brothers and sisters all over the world that can't, uh, that, that are in fear of worship, and Lord, we have the opportunity to worship you, and I'm thankful, Lord, thankful for the heat this morning that's keeping us warm. Uh, Lord, I'm, I'm thankful for the lights are on. Uh, so many things to be thankful for, uh, Lord, this morning, and uh, more than any of that, I'm thankful that you went to the cross and died for us, uh, God. And so, Lord, I, I pray this morning that... Um, Lord, we do your word justice this morning as we, we talk about it. And Lord, we're as bold as these midwives. I pray for that, God. Lord, we love you and thank you. In your name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. So, well, I want to give a big shout out to these two women in this passage. Uh, I guess I've never really heard a sermon about them, but I do believe they're heroes of the Old Testament. Uh, they were Hebrew midwives. And to kind of bridge the gap uh, from last week to today, so Joseph who we've been talking about Joseph. Joseph dies in Egypt, um, and the people of Israel have become very fruitful in Egypt and multiplied, and, and there's a whole bunch of them. And, and all of Egypt is filled with Israelites. All, all of Egypt's filled with the Jewish people. So a new king takes over. Um, now, we're not for sure, and doing some digging on this, nobody's really for sure. We're not for sure if this was a... I always forget this. Why do I forget this? Children's church. Who's doing children's church this morning? Sierra's already down there? Okay. Second grade and below can go to children's church if they'd like to. I always forget that. You guys just need to wave at me or something. I don't know. All right, so let me catch up. So a new king has taken over in Egypt. And we're not for sure if this is a new pharaoh or if this is a king that has conquered Egypt during the time. There's a lot of debate about that. But there's about a 300-year gap from when Joseph dies to when Moses is born. And in the first part of chapter 2, you see the birth of Moses. So during this 300-year gap period, um, it's not going good for the Israelites. Because slowly, and I think we can relate to this, because in our country, uh, we have, we're relatively, compared to all of uh, history, our country's relatively pretty new. We're, we're really not that old of a country. I mean, uh, 1775, we're 200 years, a little 250 years uh, approximately, just about 250 years old. And so that's not even the amount of same amount of time here. So you think about, if you ask people today, I don't know if you've ever seen these videos, but it's actually pretty embarrassing. If you ask people today, like, who did America fight? In the War of Independence, they're like, mm, I don't know, uh, Canada, Mexico. I mean, they don't know what year was our country founded. They don't have a clue, right? You can ask someone who the first president is. A lot of people today don't know. In fact, I think in order to vote, you should be able to answer some of those questions. But I may be a little biased on that. But uh, it's just people don't know, right? So it's not, it's not unbelievable to think that people in Egypt had never heard about Joseph. Even though what we studied about Joseph is, Joseph was a very important man. 
Joseph, and because God used Joseph, he, he literally saved everybody from the famine that was going on, right? He was a hero in Egypt. He was the top dog underneath Pharaoh, right? So approximately 300 years pass, people forget about Joseph. They forget. They don't know the stories. They don't know what God did through Joseph and, and what happens. All they look around and they see, well, there's these people here, and we don't like that. We're, we're kind of scared of them because there's that many people. And they could, they could be an army and take over our country. So let's kill them. Let's make sure that they don't overpopulate. So, so this new king takes over. And he didn't know. He didn't know about any of this. And so what they do is they enslave the people. They put them in hard bondage. They enslave them. And, and they start, they made them work very, very hard. And they start building cities for the Egyptians. Uh, the city of Ramesses. And, and uh, Pithom is another one. And then something crazy happens. The more that they are oppressed and the more that they put them into slavery and bondage, guess what happens to the Israelites? the stronger they get. The, the, the more they grow, the more they grow. And, and they just keep getting more and more and more. And now the Egyptians get scared. And so they treat them even worse. And so now we get to the text this morning. And Pharaoh doesn't know what to do. And so he's, he doesn't know God. He doesn't know the true God. He worships idols. He worships false things. And so he asks them to kill. He asks them to murder. Let me say it right. He asked them to murder newborn baby boys. This brings me to my first point about these midwives. What does the passage say in verse 17? It says that these midwives feared God. Because they feared God more than man, what did God do with them? He blessed them. It says later on in the chapter, he gave them families. So what did these midwives know? These midwives knew that what was being asked of them was wrong. They knew. Now, had the Ten Commandments been given yet? No. Where did, well, how do they know? Why? Well, Romans chapter 1 tells us that God's law is written on the heart of every man. So, even before the Ten Commandments, did they know it was wrong to murder? Yes. Did Cain know it was wrong to kill Abel? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because it's written on their hearts. So, they knew what was being asked of them was wrong. They knew it was wrong. They, and they knew... We're not going to obey what this is, what's happening here. We're going to obey God. They had, a, they had a fear of the Lord. They had a fear of God. Now, now when, you, when you hear that term, right? How many have heard that term before? It's all through the Bible, actually. The fear of God or the fear of the Lord. What does that mean? We see it a lot. Here's some places. I'm just going to read a few real quick. Proverbs 1.7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom. And instruction. Proverbs 8.13 says, that, oh, I'm going to go through these quick. You can write them down or make a note or whatever. The fear of the Lord is hatred of evil. Pride and arrogance, the way of evil and perverted speech I hate. So the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Psalms 111.10 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have a good understanding. His praise endures forever. There's more examples. You got examples in Matthew chapter 10, in Job chapter 28, in Psalm chapter 33, Proverbs 14, Psalms 25. There's just so many places in scripture that talk about fearing God, the fear of God. But what does that really mean? 
I mean, when the Hebrew wives, midwives said they had a fear of God, what does that really mean? Now, let me start off with saying it means something very different for a believer versus someone who's not a believer. For a non-believer, for somebody who doesn't, hasn't professed Jesus as Lord and Savior, they don't have salvation in Christ, the, for a non-believer, the fear of God is the fear of the judgment of God. It's a fear of eternal death. A lot of times, they don't even think about it, though. It's not even something they think about. Eternal death is eternal separation from God. Jesus talked about it, though. In Luke chapter 12, verse 5, he says, But I will warn you whom to fear. Fear him who, after he is killed, has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Who has that authority? Only God. Only God. Hebrews 10, 31. Here's another one. It says, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. So when we become followers of Christ, think about this. When somebody shared the gospel with you, when they preached the gospel, it may not have been a preacher. It could have been somebody just individually talking to you. Are they still preaching the gospel? Yes, they are. They're sharing the gospel. When we became followers of Christ, one factor in that was what? Fear. Fear that we are under the judgment of God. That without, without Christ, there should be a fear that you are under God's judgment. Fear of the punishment that was coming because we had broken God's law and deserved a punishment. The punishment is eternal separation from God in hell. For believers, for believers, for brothers and sisters, the fear isn't judgment in hell. It's the understanding of how much God hates sin. And fearing his judgment or discipline of that sin. If God really loves us, is he going to discipline us when he sins? When we sin? Yes, 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 he will. When we sin, God's going to discipline us. When I was a kid, I didn't think about this. Well, how can I explain this? In really easy terms. I thought, well, I was pretty ornery when I was a kid. I thought back when I was a kid. And, and I was pretty ornery. I was much ornerier than my kids have ever thought about being, really, to be honest with you. I don't want them to hear that, but I just told them. Uh, but when I was younger, mom stayed home with us when I was a kid. And dad would be at work. And mom, and mom in the summertime, when we were, we were younger, uh, if, I, if I misbehaved, I knew I was in trouble. And mom would say those dreaded words. You know what they were? Wait till your father gets home. You just wait till your father gets home. Wait till dad gets home. And normally, those little words, you know what that would drive me and my sister to do? Change our behavior real quick. Because we knew if mom tells dad, the hammer's coming down. We're going to be in trouble. We are going to be disciplined, right? And, and we knew. I knew that when dad's car pulled in the drive, he was going to walk in. And the first thing out of dad's mouth was, how are the kids today? How'd your guys' day go? And if mom was being merciful and gracious and a picture of our Lord Jesus, she would say, it was okay, you know, it's okay. And uh, we would get a pass for that day, right? But if she was really upset, and I had really been honorary, which is a lot of times, she would say, you need to have a talk with your son. And my dad would say, what'd you do? And I knew, I mean, I'm in trouble, Right? Well, what was that? I had a reverent fear of my dad. Now, not that my dad would kick me out of the family. My dad wasn't going to kick me out of the family. 
he wasn't going to throw my stuff out in the lawn and at 8 years old or 12 years old make me be homeless. Right? He wasn't going to do that because my dad loved me. But I knew because he loved me that I would be a punishment. So I had a reverent fear of my father if I broke the, the rules. I knew. Or even worse than that, than the discipline or getting a whipping, the worst thing was if my dad would have said, I'm really disappointed in you. Man. Anybody want their parents to say that to them? Man. I don't remember my dad ever saying that. He probably did, but then what do you want to do? If, you're, if you disappoint your father, you know what that does? Man, it breaks your heart. That was worse than any kind of punishment. Listen, that is a believer. That's the same example as a believer. Not, not a fear of being kicked out of the family. Not a fear of losing your salvation. Not a, not a fear of that. Not a fear of losing the salvation that he already paid for. But a fear of discipline and disappointing him. It's a reverent fear of, God, you died for me on the cross. I don't want to disappoint you by the way I live my life. I want to live my life honoring you. You know what that is? That's a reverent fear of God. It's a fear of living your life knowing you want to make him proud. Where Paul says you get to heaven one day and he looks at you and says what? Who said that? Good job. Well done, my good and faithful servant. That's the, anything besides that would be a disappointment. That'd be a disappointment. Our fear of God, brothers and sisters, should drive us into living a life honoring Him, respecting Him, obeying Him, being obedient to Him, submitting to His disciplining Him, and worshiping Him in awe, following Him. I have decided to follow Jesus. You follow him. These midwives had a fear of God that when they were told to do something, they knew that God hated what they were being asked to do. You know in scripture it says there's some things that God hates. You know what one of those is? The shedding of innocent blood. You know there's nothing is more innocent than a baby. Man, I love the babies. When you have babies... You don't even need to take them to nursery. Just leave them in here. You want a date night out, bring the babies over to Selena and I's house and we'll watch them. She'll change the diapers and I'll hold them all night, okay? She's rolling her eyes at me right now. God doesn't like that. I believe, I believe church law in my heart that in our, <coughs> still getting over this cold, <clears throat> I believe in my lifetime there's going to be people <clears throat> that will try to tell us what to preach and what to teach. There's going to be people that are going to tell us what to teach and preach. There's just going to be. It's going to happen. There are going to be people or groups of people that try to cancel Crossbridge Baptist Church. Because what we say and what we teach is what the Bible says about social issues of this day. It's going to happen. promise you. They're going to try to cancel you from employment. They're going to try to... Hey, I'm shocked, honestly. 
I got an email last night, and it was just a, a spam or a fake email. But it was supposed to be from Facebook saying that they had deleted our church Facebook page for, for inappropriate conduct or speech or whatever. But when I first read it, I'm like, well, they may have listened to a sermon, I guess. We're not going to have a church Facebook page. But, but then I found out it was just fake. It won't be one day. It won't be. We'll get canceled one day. That's okay, though, because of these social issues, right? They're going to try to cancel us over the same issue that Pharaoh was wanting the midwives to do, abortion. You understand? You got, hey, gentlemen, I can't believe he's getting political here. <laughs> it's a biblical issue. But there's, there's people in our country right now that say after a baby's born, the mom can still say whether she wants the kid to live or not. Well, that's not abortion. That's not even abortion. That's just murder. Well, abortion's murder. It's, it's murder. That's exactly what they, the Pharaoh was asking the midwives to do. We as a church body, not just me, you. Because, hey, there may be a time where they're wanting to pick off the elders and kill elders that teach this. Okay, replace me. That's fine. I'll be in heaven. Replace me with another elder who would say the same thing, though. So it has to be the church body, right? The church body have to stand in reverent awe and fear of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have to say, look, we're not going to compromise with what we know truth is and what the Bible says just because you tell us to. We have to stand for what is right and what God says is what's right and what's not. There's another great example of this. I, I, I sometimes I don't do this, and I really should probably more often. But I sent out earlier this week, like uh, what I thought, what what I was going to be preaching about to all the elders, and they responded with with a verse, and I had the same verse in mind, and we we're totally on the same page. And it's in Acts chapter five. Turn to Acts chapter five. It's a great biblical example of this. It's in Acts chapter five. Verses 27 through 32. Forgive me for being all stopped up. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council. And the high priest questioned them, saying, We strictly charge you not to teach in his name. Yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching. And you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and the forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to them who those who obey him. What were they told? They were told, don't you teach about Jesus. Enough of teaching about Jesus. Stop telling people that Jesus died on the cross for their sins. Stop sharing the true gospel. Stop telling people that he's the only way to heaven. Does this sound familiar at all? Like in our country? Right? And what did they say? Peter said, hey, fellas, we're going to obey God, not men. We're not going to do that. Because he's given us the Holy Spirit. We have God living inside of us. And this is testifying that we are not going to do this. We have to follow this example, church. 
We must obey God rather than men. That's what the midwives did. Our passage in Exodus says that God dealt well with the midwives. And the people multiplied and grew strong. You know where the church is growing more? When I say the church, I'm talking about universal church. You know where the church is growing now more than ever? Anywhere in the world? China. People that don't allow Christianity. The China, our Chinese brothers and sisters in Christ... Who would walk five miles in seven degree weather or minus seven degree weather to go to church? I'm not getting after anybody who's not here this morning. It's not what I'm doing. I'm saying that they don't even think about stuff like that. They don't even think about it. Man, because they're heavily persecuted for what they believe. And man, they're growing. They're growing. I mean, we get something on our schedule that inconveniences us and we just won't go. Mm hmm. What an example this is. And God dwelt well with them. What will he do with us? It's going to be okay. He will, it will go well with us. We will be stronger. What did he do with the midwives? He gave them families. He blessed them. You know what happens when you just teach the truth of God's word. And you don't worry about any, what anyone else thinks. Or you don't worry about society thinks. And if you just teach the truth, you know what happens. It's amazing, but people are saved. God grows the church, and people are saved. And they're discipled. Hey, we're never going to be the popular thing. Because if you're popular with the world, you're not going to be popular with God. So, But if you just do what this says, and you just live this out, and you stand for what's right. And this goes beyond just the church walls, though. This goes into our individual families. Because I can't control what your family does or what Mike does or what Dave does. Or I, No, I'm thankful I can't because i got my hands full of my own. I can, only, I can only decide for me and my family. Like Joshua, what Joshua say? Joshua said, you decide what you're going to do. But as for me and my family, we're going to serve the Lord. So this goes much deeper than just, well, I'm glad, I, I'm, glad I'm a member of a church that's just going to rail against things that are wrong and we're, yeah, a good deal. No, it goes much deeper than that. It goes how you live your life Monday through Saturday. It's for what you stand for, what you teach your children about killing babies when they come out, about... Adam and Steve getting married or whatever it is. Hey, you have to teach those truths. Not just being a part of the body that does, but you talk about them in your individual homes. That's what stand, standing on the truth is. That's, that's taking a stand. And you know what happens? God blesses that. He blesses that. We, we, we saw in some of our earlier verses where it says what? When we fear God, he gives us what? Wisdom and understanding. Listen, as a, as a pastor, people come to me wanting advice all the time on different things. And not even people in the body. You'd be shocked. Like people I don't even know that are, live in town. I don't even know who they are, but they'll send me messages. And lots of times it's about like pre-marriage, about marriage or marriage counseling. Or I've gotten myself in this situation. And, and, and here's, here's the one thing that I tell everybody in every single situation. I know Mike does too. One thing I can tell everyone in every situation is this, is that God won't bless them. 
that's like a given. And whatever's counseling situation, wherever you're at in life, God's not going to bless sin. He can't. It goes against his character. He's not going to bless sin. So, so as an example, God, I want you to bless my new marriage. We're about to get married, and I want, I want you to bless my new marriage. But they live with one another before they're married. God's not going to bless that. He's not. Now, now, listen, he can take our mess-ups and turn them around for good later. But you understand there's still discipline for that. And you know what the discipline a lot of times is? When you're raising kids, they're going to walk up to you one day and say, well, did you ever live with mom before you were married? Well, you can't tell me how to live my life then. I mean, there's always consequences for things, right? If we, when we live our lives according to his word, you know what starts to happen? You have a reverent fear of God, you get wiser. Like, oh man, how many of us in here, if I can only know the things I know now when I was 18, right? Everybody? Probably, right? And then, you know what happens? You get wiser, and then more blessings from God come. And he works, right? That was the first point. I know, I'm going way too slow. But here's, here's the second one. This one will be quick. And, and I love this. And, the, and the only this point, so, so here, back up real quick. Have a reverent fear of God. If you're lost this morning, and you're watching online, or you're here, and you've never believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, you shouldn't have a reverent fear of God. You should have a fearful expectation of judgment. That God will judge your sin one day. And today's the day of salvation. You can be forgiven and saved just like anybody else. Here's the second thing. That's, that's, this is not only in this passage, but it's over every single passage that we're going to cover throughout the Old Testament. Is that nothing, nothing's going to stop God from working. Nothing is going to stop God's will from being done. This applies to every single passage we're going to read in the Old Testament. Nothing is going to stop God and his will from being done. So Egypt is what? They're, it's like the most powerful, at that time, it's the most powerful nation in the world. They have the most chariots. They have, they're, they're the bad dudes on the block. Nobody messes with Egypt. I mean, they're, they're, they have everything. And now, because of what Joseph had done, and God working through Joseph, if you remember, what did the people of Egypt have to do if they wanted food? They had to sell their property. They had to sell everything to Pharaoh. So Pharaoh owns everything. He's the most powerful man in the world. He, he, I mean, he has it going on. In fact, they worship Pharaoh as a God figure. Whatever he spoke happened. Not with God. Not with the true God. Not with the true God. Because God had a purpose. God had a mission. He had a mission with these people who were being oppressed and enslaved. What was the plan? What was the mission? It was going to be fulfilled out. It was going to be fulfilled all throughout the Old Testament. What was the mission? What was the plan? Jesus. Bring about salvation. Here's a verse for you. Here's the mission. Here's the plan. Isaiah 9, 6, and 7. Christmas verse. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. Is Egypt the most powerful country in the world now? Nope. You know what's the most powerful country in the world now? It's up for debate, but it's still probably the United States. If you do any digging on militaries and 
funding and all that. It is. Guess what's going to end one day? The old U.S. of A. You know why? You know why that's going to fall one day? Because of sin. Because of sin. Not Jesus. Never going to end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. That's what it says. Forevermore. It's never going to end. That was God's plan. That was God's plan. And what is it? Thank you, buddy. To bring what? Salvation. To bring about redemption. It started in Genesis where Adam and Eve messed it up. And you're going to see all throughout here, we keep messing it up. We keep messing it up today. We need salvation. We needed Christ. And that was going to bring about Jesus. You're going to see over and over God has a plan for Israel. And nothing, not Pharaoh, not religious leaders, not people who hate God, nothing is going to stop God's will from being done. Nothing, And nothing is going to stop Jesus from coming back. Another lesson for us is, is that. Be in God's will for our life. Right? God had a, God's will was going to be done when this was wrote. When Pharaoh did all this, he wasn't going to stop God from working and from Jesus going to come. Now what's God's will for our lives? 1 Peter 2, 15 and 16 says this, For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free. Not What was the first song you guys sang this morning? Where's Ace? What was the first song you sang this morning? Was it about freedom? There you go, right? Live as people who are free. Not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. <clears throat> What's God's will for your life? How can we know God's will for our life? Read His Word. Pray. Serve Him. Serve Him. When we are using gifts and talents that He has given us to serve Him, we are building His kingdom and you're in His will. When you are following Him, I have decided to follow Jesus. You know that God desires all people to be saved. His will is for you to be saved. To look at him and follow him with your life. To die to self, to live for him. His will for our lives will never contradict his word. This isn't a solo mission on our own. It's obeying his word and serving him. The midwives, they were in the will of God. Why? Because they were obeying him. They knew it was wrong to do what Pharaoh asked. And they were doing good, not evil. They were doing good, not evil. They knew, we can't do what he's asking us to do. We're going to do the opposite. And what did God say? Good job. Well done, my good and faithful servant. I'm going to give you families. That's what he said. That's what he did. I'm going to ask the worship team to come this morning. Before we sing, I just want to ask this. I want to ask this. Are you... Not anybody else. Are you in God's will this morning? God desires. 1 Timothy 2 says God desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That whoever, whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Do you have salvation in, the Christ, in Christ Jesus this morning?
Salvation, listen, salvation isn't just a past tense word. It's not just past tense, which means, oh, I'll be saved when I go to heaven one day. No, no, no. You're living free right now. Free. You understand? We talk, I talked about this to our discipleship this morning with my group. I talked about this. I said, you know, we talk about, we're talking about prayer. And the whole point of prayer is to conform us to God's will, right, for our life. We speak with God. But you, don't under, you understand that when you're in Christ, you have a peace that passes all understanding? That no matter what can happen to you in this, on this earth, no matter how horrible it can get, you understand that that peace, you know one day that 65706 is not your zip code, that your zip code's actually in heaven. And that gives you peace. Do you have that? Do you have that in your life? If you don't have peace in your life, Jesus says, I bring peace. If you don't have peace, it's so, it's so easy so easy, friends. All you have to do is acknowledge that you have sinned against God. And you deserve a punishment. But that God, being rich in mercy and love, loved you so much that he died for you. He went to the cross and took the punishment. And if you believe that with every part of who you are, you believe that. And he is your Lord. You say, you're my Lord and my Savior. I believe you. Thank you for dying for me. The Bible says you're saved. You acknowledge your sin. You turn from your sin. You put your faith and trust in Him. The Bible says you're saved. It's that easy. And then you know what you do? I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. Man, that's amazing. That's all it takes. Wow. Wow. For my brothers and sisters, are you in God's will right now for your life? Are you living that out in your life? Are you serving God with your gifts and your talents that he's given you? Oh, man, we talked a few weeks ago about redeeming the time. It's short. It's so short. So short. Are you serving the Lord? Are you living that out in your life? I ask you to stand. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you, God, this morning for your word. Thank you for the example of the midwives. Lord, my prayer this morning is that there's people here that don't know you. Lord, they know your name, they've heard sermons, but they don't know you. They don't know you on an intimate, personal level, but today would be the day that they do. It's my prayer, God, for everybody here and everyone listening. Lord, if they, if they do know you, Lord, I pray that these, these cares and concerns of the world can so cloud up our time and our schedules where we just, get, where we just aren't serving you. And we're not using our gifts and talents to serve you like we should. Maybe we have sin in our life that, Lord, we're just struggling with. We're not confessing to you. Lord, I pray that all it takes is a humble and contrite heart. All it takes is us for to humble, or humble ourselves. Not, not, not for new salvation or to be saved again or something like that. Nothing like that, Lord. All... But you allow us to humble ourselves before you and you lift us up. And you're there for us and you comfort us. Lord, there's people in here right now that are probably underneath your discipline. And you're disciplining them in, in their life. They need to correct what their behavior. I pray for that this morning. Just work in our body, work, work in the people watching online. 
And in everything, we give you the praise and glory. In your name I pray. Amen.
to thank you for coming today. Please be careful going home. Be careful tonight if the weather gets bad. And uh, we'll, we'll uh, obviously make a decision. That I, I forgot to, during announcements, but uh, our policy, and I don't know, sometimes it's frustrating, but uh, our, our policy on Wednesday nights is if Marshfield schools cancel, we don't have church. So sometimes Marshfield schools cancel in the morning, and then it's 70 degrees because we live in Missouri by the evening, right? Uh, but it's easy. It's the easy way to let everyone know and the, for the cooking teams to know. So that's why we do it. So just please be understanding about that. But uh, I don't know what the weather's supposed to be like Wednesday. I think we'll be good. But uh, here's the benediction: First Thessalonians 5, 16 and 18 through 18. It says, "Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you." There you go. You want, you want to be in God's will? Rejoice always over everything, high or low. Keep praying. Pray. Be in a state of prayer to Him. Give thanks in all the circumstances. There you go. There's the will. Have a great day. I love you. I'm going to ask Denny if he would close us in prayer this morning.